0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
1: day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We
0: said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job.
1: R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay.
0: It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. Happened. They want to know why and how. Locked on Packers is brought to you by Built Bar. Remember promo code LOCKED ON to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. They are the best tasting protein bar ever. We have the culmination of our crossover series today with the AFC South, the fourth of four in future Packer opponents, and we do it. In appropriate fashion, I think, with the Tennessee Titans, a team that looks very similar to Green Bay, that outperformed expectations last year very similarly to Green Bay and in a lot of ways played over their heads like Green Bay did as well. So a a fun conversation coming there. Before we get to it, I I want to continue this discussion. About Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. And I'm sure at this point, you're a little sick of it. And I'm frankly a little sick of it too. But there are so many layers to this onion. And, you know, I, I think one, the, the more layers we peel back, the, the more interesting, frankly, that it is. And we're not going to stop. I mean, this is going to be a conversation that we have constantly, at least over the course of the offseason. Luckily, it's the kind of thing that once the regular season starts, it's no longer really a relevant thing to discuss because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback as long as he's healthy. Now, there is this question of timeline. Andrew Brandt, who worked in the Packers' front office in 2005 when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers pointed out the similarities in these two situations in an article for the Monday Morning Quarterback with Sports Illustrated. And he believed that Jordan Love will be the Packers starter in 2022, that it's just no longer tenable for an NFL team to let a quarterback sit for more than two seasons and that really the only the only top pick lately to sit even just one season with any kind of success as Patrick Mahomes, and that's true. Now, that's true for a number of reasons. It's true first and foremost because teams who draft quarterbacks in the first round tend to be bad or they tend to play that quarterback very soon. The Packers have made it pretty clear they don't intend to play Jordan Love anytime soon. Also in the Monday Morning Quarterback, Albert Breer reported that scouts and and people around the league believe that Jordan Love is in a position – to succeed in Green Bay specifically because he has this time to grow and develop. And I think we underestimate how valuable that is to any player, being able to just go through the NFL process, even if you're not getting a ton of reps in practice, which, by the way, Jordan Love will get because Aaron Rodgers will relish the opportunity to take a little bit of of time off to get some rest to not take every rep. Jordan Love is going to play all the preseason games. Aaron Rodgers will play maybe none of them or something close to none of them. So his development will look different than it would behind a lot of different players. Breer points out that if this were the Dolphins or the Colts and in 2021 Jordan Love had to start, maybe the trajectory of his career would be different. And we have to view the floor and the ceiling of these players accordingly. This is something that I was having a discussion with uh, some some people on Packers Twitter, some media people over the course of the last few days about this ceiling and floor idea. And in Green Bay, Jordan Love is going to have the best opportunity he could have, really of any team, to come in circumstantially anyway and succeed because of the chance to wait, because of the chance to sit behind Aaron Rodgers, and because this is a team that, is building the offense the way that it wants, and eventually will build it around what Jordan Love does best. One of the reasons Brian Gutekinst hired Matt LaFleur was he believed his work with young quarterbacks, developing guys like Robert Griffin III and Kirk Cousins, is a selling point. Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, even though he wasn't a young quarterback in Atlanta, he was still able to help facilitate a transition to a new scheme along with Kyle Shanahan. Matt LaFleur doesn't need to be Kyle Shanahan level play action god to get good quarterback play. Now, none of this is to say anything about the the message this sends to Aaron Rodgers. And I think that narrative is totally absurd. This idea that the Packers are sending a message to Aaron Rodgers with this pick, that Matt LaFleur is asserting himself. This is this is coming from coaches and, and executives anonymously, of course, to media members. Oh, they're sending a message. They're saying this is our team. They're drawing a line in the sand. Why? What about the relationship that Rodgers has to either Matt LaFleur or Brian Gutekind suggests that's true? I just don't see any evidence for it. Now, maybe if Mike McCarthy were still the coach and Ted Thompson were still the GM, that you could make that case but this is the same front office that just gave Aaron Rodgers a historically big contract and a coach who just helped lead Rodgers in a season that he said was one of the most fun seasons he'd ever had in the NFL, a season that reminded him how much fun it is to play the game. And that is, to a man, what the Packers said about what 2019 was. Other than the, the narrative that is out there from people who want to assess critically Aaron Rodgers, and want to create drama and headlines, where is the actual evidence that there is any sort of tension between the quarterback and his coach, or the quarterback and his front office? I'm still waiting to see that evidence. So let's put these things together. Add what James Jones said on the Doug Gottlieb show that we talked about yesterday that he thinks Aaron Rodgers understands this is a business, that he's going to be going out and, and play motivated football for the next two or three years. That's what James Jones said, that Aaron Rodgers can go out and still play at a high level for the next two or three years. Guess what? That is the window for Rodgers in Green Bay. And maybe it it ends with Rodgers being traded. Maybe it is two years from now. Two years from now saves $22 million on the cap. It is 17 in dead cap. That is a reasonable Runway for Jordan Love. And if Jordan Love is good enough to make that a reality, then the smart thing to do is to get value for Aaron Rodgers. Go to Jordan Love. You're, you're young, talented, presumably, if he's, if he's getting the, the starting job and much cheaper quarterback. And then you're still able to maximize those cheap years of his contract in what could be a Super Bowl window. Even if it's three years, you're still maximizing Aaron Rodgers' physical prime with the opportunity. Now, you still have to make a decision on Jordan Love's contract, but all of these pieces fit together, and it starts to make more sense. And the drama fades away a little bit. I think the initial shock was, was so jarring. I mean, if you watch the Periscope and listen to the podcast from that Thursday night after the pick was made, I was struggling to put thoughts together. Because it was it was so outside what I thought was possible, and and more, it wasn't just the quarterback thing. It was oh, the, the receivers all go off the board in a way that we didn't imagine they would. That happened again on day two of the draft. There is still a lot that that we're processing from from what happened on draft day. Not the least of which is the quarterback position. And I, I think in a lot of ways, it's really helpful for Jordan Love. That there is no rookie camp because every move he made would be so heavily scrutinized that now we get a chance to put some distance between us and this selection. And yes, it's going to be something that we talk about frequently over the next few weeks and the next few months until the Packers get back on the field. Hopefully, that can happen safely as planned in July, though we don't know. But by then, I assume we'll be so happy to have sports back, so excited to see guys out there practicing, so happy that football will happen, that we'll be worried less about the day-to-day stuff and less worried about parsing every throw that Jordan Love makes. It's also the case that having this runway, while it not only makes it better for Jordan Love's development and still gives the Packers runway to have Aaron Rodgers play at a high level, and obviously that's the goal. It takes the pressure off Jordan Love in the short term. He doesn't have to be ready in 2020. He doesn't have to be ready in 2021 to be the guy. So we shouldn't parse every throw in practice, every interception he throws in practice, or every off-target throw in a preseason game because this is part of his development. Now, that's not saying don't be critical when it, when it warrants. But let's not overreact. Let's understand that this is all part of the process and that the Packers have set themselves up so that he doesn't have to be fast-tracked, so that he can be, as Albert Breer said, in a position to succeed two, three years down the line, which is what his development requires. And I'm sure we can think of quarterbacks in other situations who could have benefited from more time more time to sit, or more time for their team to get better. I mean, think of someone like David Carr. David Carr was an extremely talented college player, but he went to a situation where the offensive line was so bad and he was so battered early on in the NFL that he was just a shell. He was seeing ghosts. He he never was able to recapture the confidence that you need to be an NFL quarterback because he was hearing footsteps all the time. Coming into a situation is so vital. There are very few players who can transcend system. And and I'm not sure any player, honestly, can, can fully transcend system. Every quarterback, to some degree, is a system quarterback. And that means you need to be in the right situation for you. We've seen it with Aaron Rodgers. When the infrastructure around him has not been as good, he hasn't been quite as good. He's still been a very good player. You know, infrastructure wasn't perfect in 2016, and in the second half of the year and in the playoffs, he was incredible. I mean, there's plenty of examples of it, but every quarterback needs that circumstance to align for them, and the Packers are at least giving Jordan Love that runway, and that runway fits with their own timeline. So there is a lot of congruency here, even if it is surprising and even if it's a risk. Of course it's a risk, but the more information that comes together, the more I think – The Packers see the window here, and it seems to fit with how other people view Jordan Love, even though though the Packers seem to be higher on him than most. And so all of these timelines are really fitting together. Everyone is saying, oh, well, he's got to play in two to three years. And they're also saying, well, he's raw now. Okay, well, he's not going to play for two to three years. So why are we worrying about the rawness part of it? Now, my position was the rawness was, was one of the reasons why I didn't like the pick. Because I felt like, oh, this is, it's gotta be a, a can't not draft player. And certainly I, I, I stand by that. But the Packers viewed him as a can't not draft player. So from a process standpoint, I get it. Even if I am not on the same page with the evaluation necessarily. When you look at all the circumstances that surround it now, It does seem like this is the best situation for Jordan Love to succeed in. The Packers are going to give him every opportunity to succeed, and his launching pad fits with the Packers' timeline with Aaron Rodgers. So when you see all of that, it almost makes you realize, wow, we should have seen this coming all along, and you should have seen a Built Bar ad coming all along. It was right there. You could just tell because Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. It tastes like a candy bar, but you don't get the sugar, none of that gross, gritty protein bar texture. We're talking about chocolate, cho- chocolate peanut butter, chocolate mint, all of the things that you walk down the aisle at a grocery store and you find that candy bar that you love. I love Snickers Almond. That's I think it's the goat candy bar. Bilt Bar makes you think. They, they trick you into thinking you're having candy, but it is 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, and just three grams of sugar with three grams of net carbs. And right now, when you go to builtbar.com, you can use the promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off your first order at builtbar.com. And if you're looking to make an impact on more than just your physical health, you want to help. Other people, there's no better place to do it than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. Ask yourself what's your warrior and text ALPL to 462769 to find out. That's ALPL to 462. All right, let's get to our discussion about the Titans. Tyler Rowland, the host of Locked On Titans. Tyler, it's good to be with you. Thanks for being on Locked On Packers.
1: Yeah, not a problem at all. Uh, glad to be on here and and discuss some upcoming football. It's a nice change of pace from everything going on.
0: It is indeed. I think that's part of our role around here is to, to try and give people a little bit of an escape. So let's do that. Uh, this is a, a matchup, if you will, of two teams that I think in 2020 are going to be a little bit of the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. I think they're going <laughs> to be a lot of focus on the run game um, and, and then play action into a, an offense where you know, you're, you're hoping your quarterback can can just sort of make the throws that are there and then every once in a while create off schedule. That's what Aaron Rodgers is best at. And that's what Ryan Tannehill, I think, showed a, a real alacrity with last year um, in in what was a, a career season for him in a lot of ways. Just top line. Uh, this was a, a pretty quiet offseason for the Titans after the Derrick Henry um, franchise tag situation. So is there is there anything else that, that you think fans might have missed if they're not paying close attention to what's going on in Tennessee?
1: Well, I think the one thing about the Titans, first off and foremost, is they're not a very nationally recognized team. I'd say no. they're one of the least covered or least talked about NFL teams in the league. So I think a lot of the players on the Titans who are very solid to very good players aren't seen In that vein, because they just aren't covered. That way, so I think generally what's missed about the Titans, not just this offseason, but for the last few seasons, at least since general manager John Robinson took over the team in two thousand sixteen, is the quality of the middle of their roster. A lot of people are surprised by the Titans' uh, relative success over the last four years, going nine and seven, two playoff appearances, uh, three playoff wins. I think people are surprised, but the depth of the middle of the roster and the talent there like a Jayon Brown. For example, as a pass coverage linebacker, someone like Daquan Jones as a nose tackle, defensive tackle, someone like Kenny Vaccaro uh, as a strong safety there, a versatile safety, and even someone like Adoree Jackson, who uh, was just picked up his fifth-year option over the weekend at cornerback. Uh, A lot of these players in the middle of the Titans roster, Jonu Smith, another, for example, are very good players and very good starters at their position, but they're just not well-covered players. So a lot of people just miss, I guess, the depth and talent that's actually on the Tennessee Titans because, quite frankly, it's the Titans and they don't get a lot of coverage.
0: Yeah, and obviously a lot of people got to learn last year how wrong they were about some of that stuff. That they didn't, they 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 were sleeping on the Titans in a lot of ways because this is a good football team. I think Mike Vrabel is a hell of a coach, and I don't look at this roster believing there's any reason to think that they're going to be significantly worse in 2020. You know, you lose Jack Conklin. Obviously, that's that's a a major problem for them, but. Uh, you're going to have Derrick Henry back. You assume Ryan Tannehill in year two now under this system, and Mike Vrabel has built a culture there that looks like it can carry over. Am I am I on base here? Do you think? I mean, it, it, did they did they have major losses that that I'm missing?
1: Um, I mean, not necessarily. I, I wouldn't say major losses. I mean, a lot of Titans fans would would tell you that Jack Conklin of course was a major loss uh, Logan Ryan and then the trade mm. of Jarrell Casey sent a lot of people into a tizzy because right. he's been one of the only stars that gets national recognition on this team for about a half a decade so there are some some pieces to replace there that you could say maybe would set you back but the reality of the situation is despite Logan Ryan and Jarrell Casey and Delaney Walker being fan favorites, they were declining players. Their yeah. players, despite the statistical output we saw from Logan Ryan last year, he struggled in man coverage. He can't play press coverage. He relies on his IQ and kind of playing uh, forward, dropping back in a zone and being able to play forward rather than be able to match and mirror a man and man coverage and things like that. And the NFL is just going towards press man coverage to deal with the speed and the talent on the outsides. And Logan Ryan is not that kind of player and we're seeing him not get a lot of traction in free agency because he values himself and his statistical output in a certain way that other teams look at the traits, you know, a scouting issue there and say hey he doesn't really have what we need in a corner right now. Delaney Walker had had lost it due to his injury in 2018. He wasn't able to be on the field, stay healthy or produce. And Jarrell Casey, despite being that reliable player for a half a decade, unfortunately, he did not have a good season last year. He played well at the end of the year and into the playoffs, which got the fans on his side again, but he did not play well and having Jeffrey Simmons a first round pick from 2019 fully healthy and able to now transition into that penetrating three-technique role for the Titans, I think that's actually going to be an improvement for them. So despite losing some big names, at least to the Titans fan base, I think the reality is those players were on the backside of things and, and going with a youth movement at those positions, cornerback, tight end, defensive line, is the right move and will help the Titans uh, you know, go to the next level that they need to get to, which is something the Packers are obviously trying to do as well.
0: Well, and you mentioned the, the comparison there. I mean, I think internal development is another reason to be bullish on the Titans. I mean, if you think A.J. Brown takes a year to leap, I mean, you could be talking about one of the best five to eight receivers in the league in 2020. And, you know, there Rashawn Evans is an ascending player, yes. and I absolutely loved the Christian Fulton pick. I won't be surprised if he is starting over Malcolm Butler or Adoree Jackson. Frankly, by Halloween, I just think he's a really good player who is already, you know, pretty pro tested because of the teams that he got to go against in the SEC. Um, also, a really good athlete. I, the The draft for them was a mixed bag to me because um, I didn't love the Isaiah Wilson pick, and I think the the Evans pick was a little early. But given what their their roster looks like, I guess I understand from that standpoint. From the draft, and, and I'll ask you that, is there a, either a player I didn't mention or one of these guys who stands out to you as someone who is most likely to come in right away and compete? Does Isaiah Wilson come in and win that starting right tackle job?
1: Uh, Well, I think that that's a fair evaluation of the Titans draft. And I think whether this draft works out or not will depend on how early isaiah wilson is able to contribute and what he is able to contribute because most people throughout most of the draft process had him as a third round maybe late second pick and then all of the sudden about three weeks before the draft you started hearing the buzz of isaiah wilson to the titans and now it's he's a first round prospect so most people who are iffy on the titans draft it's because of the isaiah wilson pick and the titans did resign valuable swing tackle dennis kelly to start at right tackle. Uh, That's a thing that good teams do. They make sure that they aren't, you know, pigeonholed into taking one position in the first round in the draft. They try to, you know, have some depth there so they can take the best player available. And I think that just with the Titans' style, they went with Isaiah Wilson. But to kind of get into – One of your questions in the middle there about who will contribute right away. So I understand that uh, Evans, Darrington Evans, the running back out of Appalachian State, that you saw that as a little bit early, but the Titans didn't have a fourth round pick because uh, because of the trade for Ryan Tannehill. So To me, it may have been a tad bit early. He may have been more of a fourth-round value, but not having a fourth-round pick and not being able to pick again until the fifth round and not really having the assets to be able to move up into the fourth round and get a talented running back, I think Evans is actually the rookie that will contribute the most the quickest. Because what he gives the Titans from a complimentary standpoint to Derrick Henry is exactly what they need for their offense to take another step here. Because the Titans don't, Derrick Henry is a great running back, but. He doesn't have the ability to run a full route tree as a running back, angle routes, you know, getting out into the flat quickly, maybe a wheel route, a seam route. Derrick Henry's not running those routes. He can catch a screen or maybe a swing pass and, and get upfield quick, but he's not that's pretty much the only two routes he's running from the running back position. And if you want to have a versatile offense that can compete every single Sunday, you have to have the ability to to be multiple. On offense, And if you have a back in the backfield who can only run two routes or be viable on two types of passing plays, you're not going to be able to open up your playbook fully. And that's going to limit you against certain defenses where you need to do that. So Evans is going to be able to contribute in special teams as a kick returner, which the Titans haven't had an impact kick returner in quite some time. And he's also going to be able to spell Derrick Henry. It's not just about his compliment, his skill set, complementing Derrick Henry's, but he's also going to be able to spell Derrick Henry because I think he's a talented enough running Back where he's not just um, put, he's typecasted into the receiving back secondary rule. I think he can run the ball as well. So keeping Derrick Henry healthy and fresh and then. Add into the addition of the other side of his skill set in the receiving game and the returning game. I actually think Evans is exactly what the Titans needed. And they had to take him in the third round because they didn't have a fourth round pick. So taking him there and the type of impact that he'll have on the offense and special teams, I think it I think it was worth it. So I respect your evaluation there. I just think what he gives to the Titans specifically makes him more valuable than maybe he would be to other teams. So I think Evans is an instant impact guy for the Titans and will um, give them more than I guess people are expecting from a third round running back.
0: Yeah. And everything you just said is, is why I think that we saw Dion Lewis in 2018 more than maybe people thought that we should. And, and after watching and studying Matt LaFleur's offense that year and, and watching them in 2019, he values that versatility and being able to be a factor in the run and pass game, which you know is not something that that we can say about Derrick Henry to the same degree. Uh, I want to ask you about the offense here uh, in my my last little bit for you, because what we saw from Ryan Tannehill feels very, very much like something that is unsustainable. Certainly, at the level to which we saw it last year, it, it seems. Pretty obvious to me he will regress in some form or fashion in 2020, but the question is how much? So from your standpoint, when you're looking at what this offense can be in 2020, how much of it does fall on the shoulders of Ryan Tannehill to produce at the level that we saw him last year?
1: Well, I think that you're right. Uh, I think that's an absolutely correct evaluation that there will be regression i mean the way that he played last year his yards per attempt i believe it was like 9.5 9.7 led the league led the league in passer rating ryan Tannehill isn't a top five elite quarterback in the nfl i think titans fans know that but even with regression could he be 8 to 12 somewhere and if you have we saw with this the san francisco 49ers last season that you can have an um, a mid upper-tier quarterback, somewhere from 8 to 14, like Jimmy Garoppolo typically plays when, when he's playing well. And you can have a solid cast of characters around them with a very solid defense, and you can win football games and get to the Super Bowl that way. In my mind, there's there's different ways to skin the cat in the NFL, but you either have an elite quarterback who makes everybody else better, or you have a very, very good supporting cast who can make your quarterback a little bit better when he needs to. And I think that we've seen both versions of that work very well. And I think Ryan Tannehill can kind of bridge the gap between what he did last year and what he did in Miami and kind of give us a happy medium of that that is sustainable for the Titans, and that will allow them to continue to be playoff contenders. And if you get hot like they did last year, you may be able to ride that momentum all the way to a Super Bowl. So I think he can be the quarterback under center who gets the Titans to the Super Bowl, but that will be contingent upon the fact that they continue to have a great supporting cast around him, asking him to be prime Aaron Rodgers or prime Pat Mahomes or prime Tom Brady who lifts the guys around him. That's not necessarily going to be a great situation either. So as long as they understand in the front office, which I think they do, that you will need sufficient talent and a sufficient offensive line around Tannehill and not rely too much on him, then this model can be successful going forward. But I do look forward to that matchup. I do have a lot of close family members who are big Packers fans, so I happen to have good uh, Packer discussions quite often, but this was one of the better ones I got to have. Peter, it was great to talk to you.
0: You too, and, and tell your family to listen to Locked On Packers. They
1: do, actually. They do. They do. I'm, I'm from a big sports family, and I have some uh, some close Packer friends and family who do enjoy the show. I, I try to support the network as much as I possibly can, even outside of the Titans fandom.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward already to us previewing this game. I'm, I'm you know chomping at the bit to, to get a chance to talk about actual NFL football live on the field. Hopefully, we get a chance to do that sooner rather than later.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait to talk to you again in season when the week comes that we actually do play to dive into all of it.
0: Sounds good, Tyler. Talk soon. Have a good one. All right. Before we finish up here, I want to tell you about the best way that you can surprise your mother on Mother's Day. You're running out of time to get your gift and Mother's Day is your mom's Super Bowl. So celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring a gift she will love. Help her travel. We can't travel right now, but you can always travel when you read. Go to far off India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in the 1950s through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's in Reese Witherspoon's book club for May. Then, anytime in May, post a picture of your mom or you holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at The Alka Joshi. That's A L K A J O S H. A donation of four meals per post and up to 10,000 meals will go to Feeding America. So go buy The Henna Artist today at your favorite bookseller, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target and make your mom the ultimate winner in your family. fresh and clean so you can too there is a light at the end of the tunnel so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the lawnmower 3.0 get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on all right i want to thank tyler again for joining the show great to talk to him and we will get back here next week. No show on Friday. Four shows this week, four shows next week. Our NFC South crossover will be next week, and I think that is one that if if this was not quite as engaging because you're not quite as interested in the AFC, which I totally get, the NFC South is filled with teams that Green Bay is going to be competing for for playoff positioning. The Saints, the Bucks, potentially the Falcons, and the Panthers are not going to be an easy team to face either. So some fun to have there by the time we talk next week um I, I it may be by the time you're listening to this uh we will have been to the hospital and and hopefully everything will have gone well with my wife and our son so uh, i'll uh, i'll keep you posted so we're we're knocking on wood and and your your prayers and love and support is is very much appreciated thanks to, to all of you who have reached out uh, it's it's really been overwhelming, the support that the Lockdown Packers community has offered to me and, and our family. So uh, we will continue to be bringing you content as best we can, obviously, schedule permitting. Luckily, we have been able to get these crossovers in, and we will be able to get those out over the next week. Thanks to everyone again. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.